Hi, I'm Amber. And hi, I'm Brenda, and this is the Minority Millennial Money Podcast. to another episode of Minority Millennial Money. Um, Today we're going to talk about a topic that's really interesting and it's money and dating, which is pretty prevalent amongst all single millennials. So today we have a special guest and his name's Brian and he's going to give us our male perspective. So Brian, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Brian Williams. I am an Austin native, born and raised. I met Brenda actually on a Bumble date, so this is actually perfect. We have we have some experience, and she can call me if uh, anything I say isn't true. So I'm looking forward to talking with y'all and giving some male perspective. Well, that just started it off. <laughs> We had several listener questions and I have three case scenarios or case studies that I wanted to talk about um, because I feel like money, like Amber and I have talked about is like a very taboo subject and it's very interesting to kind of figure out what everyone's comfort level is. And so one of the questions was, how much should you spend on a first date? So Brian, from your perspective, I want to hear what you anticipate to spend on a first date. I think that's a good question. Uh, it depends on the date, but if you're just going out for drinks, I mean, I wouldn't want to crack more than 50. 50? Okay. I think that's fair. I was thinking like 30 to $50, assuming that you're going, you're just like going out for drinks or maybe some food what about you amber i know you you live in a higher cost of living area so what's like average in your area yeah i mean like hawaii probably one meal i mean it really depends on where you go like if you're gonna just do coffee or something like that obviously it's gonna be a lot cheaper but um you know dinner dinner is probably like 30 dollars per person i would say wow at least at least 25 to 30 per person Okay. So Brian, we live in a pretty high cost of living area too. So do you ever invite anyone out for like a full meal on a first date? On a first date, generally no. Um, (laughs) Cause I mean, I think most guys are aware um, that, you know, there is an expectation um, kind of whether, you know, it's 2021, but whether we want to admit it or not, I think most guys kind of feel obligated to, at least offer to pay on the first date. Um, and so I think we're also aware that, you know, not all women, but there are a, a select few out there that kind of use the dating apps as a meal ticket. So I wouldn't Ooh. want to, I wouldn't want to get caught up in anything like that. And so I think coffee or maybe a few drinks is, uh, is a good starting point. Okay. I agree. I think coffee is the most appropriate, in my opinion, because you don't want to spend extra time on someone that you know immediately that you don't like or don't want to spend more time with. Yeah, I definitely can speak to the fact that 
I've been on dates where I'm like very thankful that we just went out to get coffee because I don't want to be there any longer. You know, and then also alcohol, alcohol kind of like makes you a little bit, your inhibitions are down and you're, it's just different than just getting like a regular drink. Yeah. So another question was, um, when do you talk about salary with someone that you're dating? Like say, say you're dating and like you are no longer seeing other people and you want to have some kind of money talk. Like, when do you do that? I would say that's pretty far down the line. I mean, when you first meet someone, you know, obviously you're going to talk about their job like right off the bat. And so I think it's pretty easy to kind of get an idea of a range of where they are. But as yeah. far as specific numbers, I mean, I would reserve that. I mean, at least, you know, gosh, like a couple months in. I mean, for me, I, I just, you know, I wouldn't want anybody to be interested for the wrong reasons. So I'm sure a lot of guys feel like that. So, you know, yeah. general idea, but I think specific numbers, I mean, you have to be pretty serious to actually share that information with someone. I am an accountant though. So <laughs> I, you know, uh, maybe I have a different perspective. Uh, I don't know, what do y'all think? I mean, so, oh, go ahead, Amber. No, go ahead. Well, I just think we should have done a little bit more of an introduction. So people who have been listening to the podcast know that I'm a nurse practitioner, I'm pursuing a PhD. Amber's a lawyer. Um, in the Army Reserves, and then Brian is an accountant here in the Austin area. So we're all like minorities, millennials, and Brian's a homeowner and house hacks. And um, so we all kind of have, we have an interest in the fire movement, right? And so I think that we are a little bit more maybe aware and maybe not as we don't consider money like such a taboo topic as other people would. Would you say that's true? Yeah, completely. I mean, Brenda and I, you know, we hit it off on the money subject pretty much immediately. Um, I mean, on, on our second date, we were talking about fire, get fire, um, and 401ks and Roth IRAs, and, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty common for me. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But about you were that. surprised that I knew like the 401 absolutely, limits. absolutely. I mean. I think for me in particular, it was very attractive to be able to talk to someone who, you know, was self-sufficient, you know, took care of what she needed to do, very responsible, and um, wasn't afraid to talk about it. Yeah. Um, sorry, Amber. So you were going to say something before this. I just yeah. wanted to set the background. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think you're right. Like if you're in the fire community for sure. Um, but I think otherwise it's kind of inappropriate a little bit to discuss salary. Also, like I think you should do reasonable research. Maybe it's just the attorney in me or the former investigative journalist, but you should be doing reasonable research about who this person is before you meet them. So I already know someone's salary before I meet them. So <laughs> I, I mean, like, I don't, there's no reason to discuss because I already know how much they make. Um, so <laughs> there's no, there's, I, I think it's so inappropriate for someone to be like, oh, you know, how much do you, money do you make? It's just like, a lot of this stuff is public. Um, you know, I'm a government attorney, so pretty much all of my salaries are public. <laughs> so like, if you, if you want to know them, you can look them up. 
and you generally know how much someone makes depending on what their career is. So, um, you know, it's not like we're 16 years old working at, you know, minimum wage, like everyone knows basically how much, what their income right. is. So you should do and- in your income bracket. The only caveat to that is like, you could be with someone who's a very high income earner who has a lot of debt. True. Right. So like you could, like I dated people who are physicians who like make really good money, but they have $300,000 in debt. So like the net worth doesn't really match up. I mean, I think that there's difference between good debt and bad debt though. Like if you have $300,000 because you went to medical school, personally, I don't, I wouldn't see that as a negative from your net worth um, Mm. versus you have $300,000 in credit card debt. Um, Right. I agree. Completely agree. I mean, at one point um, after I bought my second house, I had, I think over $350,000 in debt. And that was kind of a crazy thing to just just see on a spreadsheet and look at but if it's backed by an asset you know an income generating asset then just like amber said you know it's good debt right and i and i i don't really think about my mortgages as as debt honestly because they're assets and so especially now with the austin market being so hot like i'm like oh well i can really sell that at any time like take out the equity although i don't want to and we talked about that in the real estate episode, but yeah, I mean, it just depends on what kind of debt and why that person got into that debt, right? I feel um, like it comes up. Like someone usually says like, oh, you know, I have school debt or, oh my gosh, I'm trying to pay off my credit card. Like as you continue talking to someone, those topics just generally come up. And so if you find that someone, you know, like if I go out with somebody and I think, you know, they make $50,000 a year and they drive a Tesla, like, okay, like you obviously have considerable debt. <laughs> so, you know, you, you pretty much can find out the information just by having a conversation. But I did see you tweet earlier that you might lease a Tesla, Amber. <laughs> yes, I did, but I have multiple jobs and incomes and can afford a Tesla. <laughs> Elise, I'm surprised. I know we talked. We talked about leasing a car. Watch our last, last episode time. where I talk about <sighs> how I only believe in leasing cars. I know it's it's really crazy. I know she's uh she's crazy. Um, <laughs> so another question was, um, so we we said when should we talk about salary? Another thing was like how much or I think it was how much should you spend on gifts for mm. someone that you're dating. Sure. I mean, that's also a function of time. I mean, say you just start dating and the birthday's coming up, you know, hundred bucks, but you know, as, <laughs> as, time, as time goes on, you know, maybe year two, year three, you know, I mean, you should probably at least a couple hundred. Although personally, um, you know, I, I don't think gift giving is, is my love language. It's, it's more of quality time and uh, physical touch. So, you know, I would prefer to get get them something that's useful um, that they would use every day as opposed to something that's just outright expensive um, just you know for expensive sake right yeah I mean I vehemently hate gifts like I (laughs) I don't like no 
Like, what is someone going to buy me that I want that I can't buy like flowers? You wouldn't like flowers? Yeah, but I don't view that as like a gift, right? Like he's saying like a hundred dollar gift, right? Flowers, that's just like a gesture. I don't, I don't see that as like a, a material gift. Okay. Um, so yeah, if someone sent me flowers, that's nice. Or, you know, dinner or something like that. But I don't want some material thing. What, what am okay. I going to do with that? What am I going to do with it? <laughs> so like, for example, last year I got AirPod Pros from someone. I mean, if I wanted them, I would just buy. I didn't really want them. I was, they weren't even on my radar, but I was like, oh, this is nice. You know, um, but yeah, it's probably, it was a little bit extra. It was a little bit much. I feel like it's harder to buy gifts for somebody when they already have money. Like if you, I don't know if you guys like follow Cardi B and Offset, you know, and they like buy each other these like lavish gifts all the time and like these cars. It's like Cardi doesn't even have a driver's license. It's like, what's <laughs> like, like, you're just like buying all these things. Like, I feel that's how I feel. I was just like, what am I like, what are you going to give me? Like, I don't want anything. Like, maybe, yeah, like I can't think of anything that I want actually. I completely agree. It's it's the thought that goes into the gift. Now, you know, if it's if it's something expensive that is meaningful and thoughtful, sure. You know, and if you've been dating long enough, sure. But I think I think most people would agree um, a thoughtful gift that wasn't necessarily expensive, that has utility, that they'd use every day, um, is a lot more just has a lot more value to that person than you know just you know expensive yeah. uh, expensive like jewelry or you know, flowers or, or what have you. Yeah. I would rather someone save up, like, instead of getting me flowers a few times a month, like just save up that money and get me something nicer in the future. Mm. Um, but anyway, gifts are a weird thing. And like, I was talking to some other people about it and they were like, well, if you give a gift, like a big gift too soon, it may come off like too eager or like you're too invested. And it's like, quite it's quite early in the relationship and so you don't want yeah what, what did you say simpin <laughs> no i so completely agree i completely agree if you're coming Sim? off just just trying to buy buy someone off or, or i don't know what your intention is just to just try to impress someone or to make yourself look better to make yourself feel better for for having a lot of money i mean i don't i don't think that's that's the way to go. Um, but you know, everybody's different and I'm sure a lot of people so, do enjoy receiving super expensive gifts. So, uh, teach I will their say own. That I've had people give me like flowers and stuff like within a week of knowing them. And I did feel like it was a little bit excessive. And <laughs> I just wasn't like that into it. Like I liked the flowers, but it didn't make me like him anymore. Yeah, exactly exactly right right okay so another question was joint bank accounts while you're dating no no way <laughs> no absolutely not absolutely not i mean honestly absolutely not <laughs> i would say it's it's <laughs> you know it's tentative if you're married i mean it's <laughs> i i can see we're on the same page because it just, i had a joint bank account with someone I dated and I thought it was great. <laughs> really? What? So I, I, I mean, I'm curious, Brenda. So what was great about it? And do you feel like one person 
took advantage or um, mm -hmm. sort of, you know, wasn't contributing um, so the, as much the as way the other? It worked, the way it worked out was that I made a significant amount more than him. And so I wanted our expenses as a couple to be fair. And and so we opened a joint bank account and both put in like five to 10% of our income into it. So it was like a percentage based thing. And then anytime we went out together, we just spent out of that account. And actually that was great. And that worked out wonderfully. There were other things that ended the relationship, but I do see myself doing that again, like with my next long-term relationship, just because it's kind of also like a test to see if that person like can follow through on depositing into that account and like just being accountable to that account. And, and then it's not always like, it's kind of like our money. It creates a sense of like community money that we're spending together instead of like you paid, I paid, you paid, I paid. And like, it may not be even. And so because I made significantly more than him, I felt like that would be the best way to be fair. Mm -hmm. But and you were he, still contributing more because on a percentage basis, your salary was higher. Right. So if I contributed 10% and he contributed 10%, it was more from me, but I didn't really mind because I felt like the same amount of skin was in the game. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I can definitely see that. And a lot of people gave me a hard time about it because I'd probably only known him like two months when we did that, but I trusted him and like, <laughs> <it's> <laughs> <me and> Ryan, <laughs> like are you crazy? <laughs> I mean, I get it. I, I get that there's, you can kind of keep tabs on a person. You can see how much you're spending, maybe see where they're going, but two months, Brenda, come on. That's, that's, First of all, that's right. after your you? relationship, I'm cutting all ties. I'm not going to discuss cutting a bank account off. I'm not going to discuss anything. I'm done. How do you split the money after the relationship ends? So we really didn't have much money in that account when we broke up because we had gone on a trip and like basically spent all the money in that account. And so we just closed it. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't that big of a deal. And yeah, I did get a lot of crap from people and being like, oh my gosh, he's gonna, what if he just withdraws everything and like runs off with it? And I was like, honestly, like it's not that much to me if he did. And also <laughs> like, well, then that's the end of that. You know, like I, I thought it was kind of like a test. So, so that was one of my case studies. And actually that was like my ideal situation. Um, where you kind of like evenly split the expenses of the relationship. I don't know, maybe y'all think differently. I mean, I could see that, but I also think, you know, if you have a joint bank account for say trips or going out, you know, that kind of promotes excessive spending in my opinion. I'd prefer to have maybe, if we were to go joint, let's have like a joint savings account or a joint retirement account or something, or maybe a joint um, fund so we can buy a house or something like that. But it, to me, that seems it just just rife for just overspending. But that's just me. That's just me, the accountant. Really? You think it promotes overspending? Hmm. For sure. For sure. If you're contributing, if you're contributing that for the for the sole reason of your fun money, entertainment, going out, I mean, you know, you're you're always going to like, oh, we can just go spend it out of this, you know, and it's leaving your paycheck before it even hits your personal checking account. So you you know you've already earmarked. X, X amount of money in addition to your own personal spending 
for for going out. Um, it's just in my opinion, you know, I I prefer to if we were to contribute to something together, I'd prefer it to be an asset or investment. Okay, okay, I get that. What about you, Amber? I mean, no, no, and no again. I mean, I think I basically <laughs> like, no, no. <laughs> No. <laughs> uh, I, it worked out for me. So I'm just saying that. Um, and then obviously I think in marriage, like if I were to be married, like we definitely have to have a joint bank account. If we're living together, if we're paying for like living expenses together, have you either of y'all lived with a partner before? I did right. when I was 21. Okay. Terrible mistake. We didn't make it the entire lease. You know, I think breaking up like nine months in um she ended up moving out I paid for the rest of the apartment on Ugh. my own for for the last three months um it was very messy and so um I, w I wouldn't live with somebody that I am not engaged to same yeah no I've never, same. I've never lived with anyone I as far as the joint account in marriage I don't know it was she's a lawyer though so she she's seen, she's been around the block she's seen it yes and i've done listen i've told brenda this before i don't know if i've ever said this on the podcast but i've literally done um child support enforcement um felony child support enforcement where millionaires have literally ran off with their secretaries and then the wife who quit her job who was relying on this man for 10 years who has no job experience now and relevant job experience now is in the food stamp line because her husband stopped paying, you know, the alimony and the child support, you know, cause he's off with his secretary creating a new family. So mm. when you set yourself up like that and you assume that liability, you know, realize that you're assuming that you're making permanent decisions based on that. And personally, I want a prenup. I already have it written in my head of like what I want um, already. Um, so like, I'm not willing to take on that type of liability. It really would depend on who the person was. And even if I agreed to have a joint account in marriage, I would still have my own personal accounts. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. I do agree with that. <clears throat> I do agree with have, still having your own money to spend on your own things. Right. Yeah. I find it interesting that the, the accountant and the lawyer have similar, uh, <laughs> similar feelings on this matter. <laughs> I'm over here like the softy healthcare provider. I'm like, I'll open an account. Brenda will open an account with anyone. I just think it's not really about emotions, right? Like, so I think that's where a lot of people get caught up in it. Like there's an emotional part of a relationship and then there's a practical part of it. And you just have to make sure that your practical mind is in charge of your uh, finances and your liability, so. Yeah, and see the, the word liability is just like, I feel like it's coming out of nowhere. <laughs> like, what do you mean by that? Well, I guess, yes, yeah, so I guess that's maybe a lawyer term, I'm not sure. So basically um, liability just means that you are taking on risk. So right. if you, uh, you know, buy a home, right? You're taking on that liability, if that home, uh, burns down or if someone, uh, you know, does something to that home, you are assuming that liability. So if you go sign it for a gym, right, usually you have to sign a waiver saying, I'm assuming risk. I am working out at this gym. I'm going to rock climb. I'm going to do whatever the activities are. And if I fall, I'm assuming that risk. 
So that's what you're doing. It's a liability waiver. So when you enter into a relationship, you are waiving liability. You are taking on that risk from that person. And so when you choose a person, you have to wonder if this risk, am I willing to take it? What are their issues? Do they not have money? Do they not have good mental health? You have to decide whether or not that, that liability, if you're willing to take all that on. So, you know, adding, adding more risk to the situation is just like making it worse. Um, Cause I want to go to Chipotle maybe, and this person doesn't like Chipotle. And if I, you know, go to Chipotle and use our card and then he's like, oh, you just spent, you know, Chipotle every single day. You know, I want to go to Chipotle without grief. I want to go to the spa. I like Chipotle. <laughs> right. I want to go to the spa and spend five hundred dollars. Okay. Now, without the other person knowing or giving you crap about it. Exactly, and I want to do it monthly at least. Right. <laughs> at least with my own money. Yes. Right. Right. But that's the line between having a joint bank account together for like fixed expenses, I think that's fair. And then having your own money, like what if you want to buy the other person a gift? You don't want them to know how much you spent on it, right? So you want to have a private account. Is that yeah, fair? Sounds like you're on our side, yeah. I think some people have all of their finances blended. My parents did. Um, and I never saw them have problems over it, but I think that's like more of a boomer generation thing. Right? My parents did and then didn't. So. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. And they're still together. So, you know, it, it, it can create issues. <laughs> wow. That's a hard conversation to have. Right. Yeah. So how people do things in their marriage is really interesting. And none of us are married. So I guess we can talk about it in the future <laughs> if we ever do get married. Um, so one more question that people came up with was, and I think this was a guy asking was like, how do you stay on a budget on a date without coming off as cheap or broke? Is this a budget for one date or a budget for a relationship? A budget for a date. Yeah. That's I hard. mean, Brian, let's hear from you because you're the guy here. <laughs> I mean, I think if, if you're, if you're dating in the first place, you know, as a guy or as a girl, you know, you, you, there's an expectation that you're going to be spending money. Um, mm -hmm. I actually, I have an entertainment line in my budget and dating falls into that, you know? So, um, Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, if you're actually budgeting and you're taking care of your own personal finances, then it shouldn't be that difficult because you know that, you know, I have X amount of money left in my budget. I shouldn't spend it. Now, if you're having a great time, Sure. If you're having an awesome night, you're out of the town, you know, something comes up, you want to go like a show or something. Sure. Do it. But you know, you, you have to, it, it comes down to your personal finance. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't sweat it if you're having a great time, but then, you know, say you get back and you realize you spent a little bit too much. Okay. Well, maybe, you know, let's not go on a date or let's, you know, let's stop swiping for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, fill the coffers. <laughs> the old stop swiping technique. <laughs> That's hilarious. So I kind of already brought one of them up, but I had like three scenarios. Like one of them was the guy that I had the joint bank account with 
who was my ideal scenario because I felt very good about that. And if, if we had not had other problems, that relationship probably would have gone very well. But then there was like the guy who spent way too much money um, and was wealthy. So it didn't matter. And that kind of made me uncomfortable, right? Like have any, have either of y'all ever dated someone who was like way, 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 like maybe grew up with money or like didn't really have a sense of like finances or like taking care of them? Absolutely. I mean, they can be, it can be frustrating when um, you feel like the money that you're spending on the relationship is hard earned and the money that they're mm-hmm. spending on the relationship isn't, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. um, it comes down to the amount of time and value. I mean, time is money, right? So that's time that you have worked outside um, that contributing. And if you don't feel like the other person is doing the same, I can absolutely see how that could create problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've dated privileged people before, but I mean, they just pay for everything. So <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I have no objections. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> not a problem. Yeah, I have too, <laughs> but I actually felt weird about it. And I felt like I just wasn't that like that lifestyle wasn't really for me um well but he was taking on vacations though so say more about this because was it the vacations because that's a little different than going on a date and someone paying well even the dates were like at these places where I knew it was like a $300 dinner you know and I was just like oof. like I knew he had it but it was I don't know it just still felt weird and maybe that's just like the daughter of working class people or it was that I felt like it was not really worth that but yeah it was mostly in vacations and like flying first class like that's not something that I would do regularly unless it was like a really cheap upgrade um or like staying at places like the Ritz or just five-star hotels you know like I'm not complaining like they were really nice but I also felt like it upset the power dynamic right? Like now all of a sudden I'm somewhat beholden to this person because they've spent money on me that I would not be able to spend on myself. And so I felt some pressure to go along with whatever he wanted. And when I didn't, it was a problem. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's I mean, it could also be seen as a bit wasteful. Different. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, there are, better, there are better things to spend money on than just opulent vacations and going out to dinner, fancy dinners every night, and you know, eating sushi on rooftops downtown. Um, <laughs> that sounds like uh, my life now. I mean, <laughs> like, I'm sure anybody listening to this podcast, um, you know, has a sense of you know, what what can be excessive and what can't. So I completely understand why it can make someone uncomfortable because you're just like, is this the way they're going to spend money? For the rest of our lives, if we're together, right. we expect to do this forever. You know. So, but what is um, the income? What is the yearly income for this person now? Like four hundred fifty to five hundred thousand a year. So I mean, they're acting their wage. I think, right? Like, uh, you know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, baby is not something that someone who's making minimum wage would be able to purchase. Like, I'm sure me going to the spa, you know, five hundred dollars spa days once a month or twice a month is outrageous to someone who's making minimum wage and they'd be like oh my god this girl's spending so much money but 
it's, to you, it's not that much. It's relative. I'll go yeah. with that. It is definitely relative. It is relative, but at the same time, you have to partner up with someone who's on kind of the same wavelength, right? Like, for example, my brother and his wife were here this week, and we were talking about going to this elephant reserve, like 45 minutes away, but it's like $120 per person, right? And so they have two kids too. And so we were like, okay, it's going to be $500 for their family alone. Plus I'd have to get my ticket. And I was like, is that really worth it? And we were all kind of like, meh, not really, <laughs> you know? So we decided not to go to the elephant reserve, but, but I would hate well, I wouldn't hate, but it would be difficult if I was with someone who was like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Like, let's spend $500, you know? And I would just be like, it's not reasonable. Like the kids are not old enough to remember this. It's not really that great. Like, I just don't care about elephants that much, you know? Yeah, so you completely. need to find someone who's going to be reasonable and agree with you on those things. Completely. And I'll, I'll just make one more point about it. I mean, it goes kind of with the law of diminishing returns. If you, if you're doing it every, all the time, you're doing it, you know, you're going out nightly, you're doing it, it loses its value, you know? So I would much totally. prefer to just to save that up. And then actually, you know, when you're going out, go hard, you have some incredible experience that you'll never forget um, less frequently than just, you know, every night doing it um, because, you know, it loses value. That's true. Yeah. When you're dating a lot, though, it kind of, you kind of get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> I think, though, also, like, some people need to read the room, though. Like, so, if you have a lot of money, like, Brenda, you have enough money to go to see the elephant if you wanted to, right? But obviously, your brother, he has more, he's a bigger Expenses. Family. Exactly. So, of course, you're not going to be like, I have to go see the elephants. I can afford to see the elephants. Read the room. Like, the people that you're with obviously can't afford to go see the elephants. So, or, or they can afford, they could afford it, but they, it's, it's more, not worth it. Exactly. So, I think that, like, if someone's reasonable, they can be rich or, you know, make $500,000 a year, but still be able to be like, okay, like. I'm not going to go say we need to see the elephant. Right, exactly. And so that's kind of the thing in finding someone in, in dating that you can find that are reasonable the way you're reasonable, right? Because, because they might think that $120 is nothing. Totally, totally. You just have to be on the same page. It's just one of those things um, that can... It can be a point of conflict or you can be on the same page. So Brian, I do want to get some insight from you because this is something that I've heard from, from men in general is that they feel that women are expectant of men to pay for everything. Do you think that's the case? So I don't, I don't think, I think there are some, sure. And I, you know, it's, um, it's a spectrum for, for anything. I do think that most guys do feel at least the obligation to, to offer to pay. And especially on the first date, um, mm -hmm. I kind of use it as a test personally. I'll always offer to pay, but I'll say uh, about half the time, um, the girl will offer to split the check. And you know, when that happens, okay. I'm like, okay. So she's not looking for and out. She wants to be next you know she, uh, she wants this to be a true partnership 
Mm. So I, I personally use it as a litmus test. I do okay. too. I use it as a litmus test. I ask, I offer, and if I'm paying money, I will not go out with that person again. <laughs> so I also use it as a litmus test. Yeah, I mean, if it's like the fifth or sixth date and she hasn't offered and- That's rude. You know, I mean, I think that's where some guys start seeing, okay, like she expects this. And, you know, I think a lot of guys' behavior sort of can encourage it. Um, it's, you know, it's a remnant of an older time, I think. And I, I think a lot of guys would appreciate if, um, if they didn't feel that pressure, but it's just kind of the way it is. Yeah, it's really hard now. I think with our generation, just with women making more money, you know, getting more education and hopefully the gender wage gap minimizing. So then it's like that antiquated ideal of like men pay for stuff because they're showing you that they can provide for a family is like not really applicable anymore, right? Because now women are just have the same income earning capacity or very close to the same. Um, so I've had a guy tell me like, well, I don't believe in reducing the gender wage gap because like I still have to pay for stuff, right? Like, <laughs> I think, I mean, and girls spend a lot more on their appearance and the beauty and the makeup and the dresses, you know, right. I, I'm, I'm sitting here, I, I get in the shower, comb my hair, put some moisturizer on. I'm good to go. You know, I mean, you know, y'all got nails, makeup, lipstick, you, know, like you got everything going on here. So there's so there a are, lot I mean, of maintenance. Yeah. There's a lot. Of maintenance. And a lot of guys, you know, would be put off if say she didn't take yep. the time to do those things. I agree. So there, there are different ways, you know, and, and, and so that's, you know, that's why I don't mind. Um, I don't mind offering to pay, especially on the first date, you know, she's looking good. I know she's taking some time, spent a little money on herself to make her look good for me. Then great. You know, if she offers to pay even better, you know? Right. Yeah. So in our generation, it's kind of like, I can't really be upset if he lets me pay, right? Because technically I have a good income too. So, so like, but like then where's the pursuing? You know what I mean? Like, where is it that you're showing me that you care about me, I guess? Because like, I feel like money and time are the ways that people show that they value one another. Yeah. I'm not I mean, kidding. there are a lot of ways. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of ways you can show someone that you love them. Um, yeah. You know, just because they're not spending money on you doesn't really mean that they're not pursuing you. I mean, they could pursue you with like a poem or they could pursue Aww. you, you know, they, <laughs> they could drop in on you on work at work, you know, in a non-creepy manner. Like there, there's, there's a lot of different yeah. ways. I think. Do not go to my job. <laughs> So is there is there not a non-creepy banner to to drop in? Say so you want to take them to lunch or something, you know? Like okay, I need a calendar invite, but <laughs> she's gonna need a Google a Google calendar. I mean, invite. because honestly, like as a lawyer, like I may I don't take lunch every day. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I'm not able to do that. A lot of the times it's hustle and bustle, and you know I've been 
in law jobs where I'm in court all the time. And so sometimes court is during lunch. Like, mm. I don't, I can't, I'm a professional. So it's like, it's like if you were dating a doctor, like, oh, hey, I came here to the hospital while you're performing a heart surgery <laughs> to go to lunch. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> well, hopefully that person would know in advance that you wouldn't be available. But I think what Brian's saying is like, yeah, there are non-monetary ways to show that you appreciate someone. Um, sometimes though, in the early stages of dating, that may feel too, like too, too much. Don't you think? I mean, maybe if you, if you're bringing a poem on, on the first date, then yeah, that <laughs> might be a bit much. Do people still write poems? Like men still write poems for, for girls? This guy? You write, <laughs> no, I, seriously. So you write, you've written I have, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, wow. absolutely, yeah. I mean, it kind of goes with. Uh, I like to do a little beatboxing and freestyling uh, on the side as well. You know, you had a, had a few drinks with your friends and stuff, so I think it just kind of goes hand in hand. That's just my personality, though. Kind of a weird thing for an accountant to say, but that's nice. That is nice. It's also like, I, I will say like being on the apps and stuff, I have come across like profiles where men are like, not here to be your meal ticket. And then I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, bro. I'm sure he's speaking from experience though, you know? Right. I'm like, did you really need to bring your past trauma though into the Probably profile? not a good thing to put on the profile. <laughs> But then just like, why not date someone who, you know, works a good job? I feel like a lot of men, they will go for like the McDonald's waitresses and then be and say something like that. And it's just like, well, why don't you want to date professionals? Because a lot of my other single lawyer, female friends have been told a lot, like, you know, um, you know, you're, you make too much money. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, we don't like that. You're so independent. Um, you know, we're wanting to date like, you know, a, a nice teacher or something like that. They don't want to date a high powered attorney. And so if you've dated a McDonald's, you know, cashier, what, what are you expecting? Right. So Brian, I want you to speak to that a little bit. Like <laughs> are men, like, I think you were pretty impressed by kind of like where I was in life and what I was doing. And so you kind of tend to you tend Absolutely. to gravitate towards women that are a little bit more accomplished, but like in general, do you think that men prefer someone who is like maybe just a teensy bit dependent? Um, it depends on the person. Um, I know plenty of guys, you know, who just be a kept man and, you know, live off of their girl. Um, or, you know, you got the deadbeat guys who aren't contributing anything. Um, now, as far as like professional, you know, us millennials who kind of have our stuff together, I think honestly, most of us want an equal partnership. Mm. That's just, that's just me. I mean, why would you want to be in a position where you feel like you have a liability, like Amber said, or you, you feel right. obligated, you have, feel obligated to, to go out and, you know, spend your, your hard-earned money on, on someone that, can't reciprocate the same way right. now I, I get it if there's a connection say you love your mcdonald's waitress uh, <laughs> there's there's all sorts of and yeah you know sp spend the money on her you know if she she doesn't have it <laughs> great i don't think most guys don't necessarily want 
someone dependent on this though. I mean, the I'm sure Amber, you know, there's a there's a term for that in the army, right? What term are you referring to? <laughs> <laughs> the de the dependipotamus. <laughs> I've heard I've heard of that. <laughs> so, and that's not used in you know a positive way. So I don't know. I I, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to be inappropriate, but uh, just. <laughs> I, I have had other women tell me that, like, you know, we're independent, we have our stuff together, and yet we struggle to find a man that can meet us there because either they're intimidated or they're turned off by our independence or they feel like they're not needed. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there, there are guys out there that feel that way. I'm sure there are women out there that feel that way. So, mm -hmm. um, that's why it's so hard to find someone these days. Like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Amber, can you think of any other questions we got? Um, I think that's pretty much it. I will say though, that I see a lot from professional, especially minority women who have a hard time mm -hmm. finding men who are at their same education and income level. And it's been a, a topic of discussion on, on many, you know, series, you know, especially like I know black women who I think have one of the highest education levels or income levels or something like that. There's some statistic about it. Um, and it's, it's hard for, for them slash us to, to find somebody who meets those standards. So, you know, it, it's hard to, um, you know, quantify that, I guess, in the dating dating room right uh, it's, it's and tough out there it's tough out there for all of us <laughs> i mean i feel like if you're if you're successful you have your stuff together you own real estate you you're contributing to your 401k you're setting yourself for, up for a good future you're already in a small minority i mean True. so to be able to find someone else um you know um at that same level it's, it's gonna be hard i mean you're you're picking from a smaller Right. Like, I don't know a lot of women like me in Austin and, and Austin's just like a more white city. And then Brian, maybe you can, you can tell me if you meet a lot of like, I guess, minority women who kind of have their life together, but it's kind of sad, you know, that this isn't the norm. Um, because like, like Amber has mentioned on previous podcasts, like, we just don't know, even if we were to come into money, like we just don't know what to do with it, sure. right? And so like you have done a great job, Brian, like you bought a house when you were like 26, you had two houses at one point, you have one now, you're an accountant, right? So like by default, you're kind of like money savvy, right? Did you always feel that way? I would say, I mean, growing up, um, we were very middle class, probably lower middle class. And so we had enough, but you know, it, it was never extravagant and it was always, and there were definitely times where, you know, it, it could get tight. And so I think growing up with that mindset, um, one, it keeps you hungry, but just like you said, you know, um, you don't necessarily know what to do with it when you have it. And so, um, you know, I've always been sort of finance minded. I was a finance major in college. And so uh, I, I developed a lot of those skills. My dad really got me into the stock market when I was young. I remember we used wow. to, yeah, we used to check our quotes in the paper before uh, the internet. So uh, I'm kind of dating myself, but 
but so you know um it depends on the family it depends on you, you know it depends on a lot of things um and it's it's unfortunate that you know being in debt and taking on all this debt and running up the credit cards that's kind of the norm in america so it's right it's really great that people like you are you know having podcasts and conversations like this where it, it becomes more open and you know maybe it'll spark someone to you know to take control take responsibility do the hard thing and uh delay gratification save up and position themselves for a better future right and i think for those people that aren't watching us on youtube like i'm hispanic i'm i have mexican immigrant parents amber's black and um brian is half black and half white so we're all coming from like a slightly different perspective and i think for me also as a child of immigrants, like, I feel a bit more of a responsibility to be more financially savvy, because I felt like my parents made a big sacrifice for me to have these opportunities. Um, so what do y'all feel in relation to like, where you came from, and how it makes you act towards your money now? Um, I mean, I can go on that. Um, you know, I've realized that I have had to overcome a scarcity mindset um, mm. growing up. You know, I feel like I've been maybe too conservative in some investments. I remember um, thinking about Tesla. I mean, just, just an example, uh, a couple years ago, I was like, man, you know, I, I'm, I really started to see the vision, but it, it was a high risk. It had already run up, you know, to God knows what. And so I didn't want to risk something. Um, and so I didn't. And, you know, mm -hmm. had I invested, you know, that 10 grand, you know, it'd probably be worth maybe a hundred now, you know? So, so mm -hmm. definitely where you come from can affect your, you know, your attitude uh, towards money. And so that's in particular, that's something that I feel like, you know, just not having a crazy amount of it growing up. It's something that I feel like I've had to overcome um, to take more risks, calculated risk, obviously, um, you know, to get ahead. Yeah, I would definitely say like, I'm always nervous about being poor again. And it's something I actually work mm -hmm. on, like that kind of like PTSD, like, like, you know, and I've been telling myself a lot lately, like, it's okay. Like if I lose everything I have, I have the skills to just make it again. And so I keep telling myself that like multiple times a day, if I need to, like, it's okay. yes. you're not going to be poor again. I mean, cause sometimes I'll feel stressed and I'll get some canned ravioli and eat that for like a week. You know, and I'll be like, I'm eating hot dogs and canned pork and beans. And I'm like, and it's just like, I have to remind myself, like, it's okay. Like, I'm not going to poor again. And so, like, that has helped me a lot. Um, but it's really hard for me to spend money. Like, I very rarely, like, I go to the spa. I do a couple things that I, that I like to do. But as a general, like, I don't spend any money. I'm very, very frugal. And so it's something that I have to work on of, like, getting over that, like, PTSD. Hundred percent. That's a good way to put it, like as a PTSD, right? Because, but you, in a sense, had the advantage of having gone to college and having the grit and the drive to go to college, put yourself through undergrad, and then put yourself through law school, and like come to the other side and see that you know you're building your net worth. But like for a lot of people, that's not the case, right? Like for a lot of people, they don't see the other side. Um, 
And so I think that's kind of one of our goals in this podcast too, is to be like, Hey, like, you know, we're minorities, like in a sense, like we quote unquote, like made it right. Like I don't really ever think about being poor again. And like, and relative to like my, when I was working full-time salary, like I make like half or less than half now that I'm in a PhD program, but I'm quite comfortable. And I think a big secret to that is also keeping my expenses low. Right. And I think a lot of minorities, like kind of like what you said, Amber, in the college episode about like a lot of minorities want to go into these professions that help people, but are relatively low paying. And so we can never really build wealth or be in those positions of power in the same way. Like we tend to do things that help our communities, which is great, but then we never get to attain those positions where we could really make a difference Mm -hmm. right right and so it's just like a weird dichotomy and I think that like I don't know Brian like you're you're like half black and half white so like what is your experience as as a person of like mixed race do you feel like a minority yeah yeah absolutely I mean um Although I wouldn't say, you know, my mom, just because she was white, didn't, doesn't mean that she was privileged, you know, right. so, um, I, I would say that, you know, I think they were pretty similarly situated on the socioeconomic, economic ladder. Um, money affects culture. I mean, it, 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 yeah. it does. I mean, that's, you know, white privilege goes beyond just you know not getting stopped by the cops or um Mm. you know having different experiences i mean there is generational wealth and i think we're all acutely aware that the laws of this country tax laws the uh you know they have systemically reduced the wealth of minorities and they still do you know and so it's it's hard to it's hard to break the cycle you know, and I think it's, it's, it's incredible that when you have hardworking parents, like, like yourself, Brenda, um, where they, they sacrifice so much and they, they put you in a position where you can be better. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, you, you gotta do it. You, you have to, you, have to. you gotta live yeah. up to it. You have to, you gotta make your parents proud. I mean, you can't, you can't let them sacrifice their whole lives and not you know, become better, you know? I mean, I think that's something that we all want to do. We all want to grow on our parents' legacy and and be better, you know? Right, right. And then also, I think with us living in Austin and like living in a predominantly white city with like a lot of white professional people, like it's hard to find a community of people that are like-minded and also not only white. Would you agree? I agree. Yeah. Although, yeah. you know, if you put yourself out there, good things come. I think that's sort of a yeah. talk to getting over the scarcity mindset, you know, um, sometimes true. you gotta, you gotta risk it for the biscuit. <laughs> that's the first time I've ever heard that. Really? <laughs> risk it for the biscuit. I've never that's heard it. I've okay. never heard that. I've never <laughs> heard that, Brian. Well, that's funny. <laughs> Anything else anyone wants to add specifically about dating? Um, because dating is like <sighs> such a such a thing. 
Yeah. I mean, I would just say, look for someone who you can tell has the same mindset as you that early. And, and, you know, if, if you can tell that it's not working out early, it's probably better not to get heavily involved with him in the long term because, I mean, what's the statistic? Most divorces are based on money, you know, and it's right. so if you if you start out in the right mindset on the same page else, you're probably going to be a lot better in the long term. Right. Amber. All right. That's it. That's all we got. That's all I got. Cool. Cool. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. Let us know if you have any feedback. And wow, it's great we'll being here. Yeah, thanks, Brian.